Greetings and welcome to the program, my friends. I want to talk a little bit in this episode about the biblical theme of rivers and what that has to do with post-millennialism. Now, I've been preaching through John, the Gospel of John, and recently I've gotten to John chapter 7, and in John chapter 7, Jesus, um, he's attending the Feast of Booths, which the Feast of Booths was a celebration that Jews observed. They would go up to Jerusalem, and they would gather there for eight days, and they would stay in booths, or in other words, tents, or little tabernacles. And they did this for various reasons. One was it was a remembrance of the time that they traveled in the wilderness and uh, to remember God's provision of them in the past and leading them out of Egypt during that time of wilderness. Uh, It was also a harvest festival where they came and celebrated the harvest and they would go and they would pray for rain and there was a lot of imagery there They did many different rituals that dealt with uh, processions of carrying water in jars and pouring water out on the altars and praying for rain and things of that nature. In fact, there's an interesting prophecy in Zechariah 14 that talks about the Feast of Booths and uh, actually contains a bit of a threat for those who do not observe the Feast of Booths. Um, threat of uh, no rain, and thus no harvest, and even threat of plague. And so the Jews were celebrating this feast, and there in John 7, Jesus is at this feast, and in verse 37 it tells us that On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive, for as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. So here Jesus is at this feast, all kinds of water imagery involved with this feast. And he gets up and he cries out, If anyone's thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Now this, of course, is very familiar to a theme that's already been brought up in John's Gospel. In chapter 4, Jesus with the woman at the well. She's there to draw water from the well, and Jesus asks her for a drink, and they, of course, get into the conversation they have, and Jesus offers her living water, and offers her to drink of the living water. Whoever drinks of it will have uh, eternal life. So Jesus here, very similar theme, calls out for anyone who's thirsty to come and drink, come to him, but 
it takes a bit of an interesting turn. If you caught it, Jesus said that whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. So the way that that is constructed there, it is saying the person who believes in Jesus, that person out of that person's heart will flow rivers of living water. Now that, at first reading, might be a bit strange. Uh, we would probably naturally want to say that, you know, out of Jesus flows rivers of living water, and they certainly do. But here Jesus says, out of that person who believes in him will flow rivers of living water. And then he doesn't just say that, but he says, as the scripture said. So he's telling us this is what the script, the scripture has taught and said. Now it's interesting. You won't find any verse in the Old Testament uh, that Jesus is quoting from word for word. But rather what he's doing here is he is uh, telling us that this is, he's summarizing or uh, he's giving a summary of the teaching of the Old Testament on this topic. Okay, and so he, he says this, and this is one of those instances throughout the Bible where it ends up explaining what it means, and so it's very helpful to us. But the very next verse, after Jesus says that, verse 39, it says, uh, this is uh, now the gospel writer writing here. He says, now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive, for as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. And so Jesus is saying here, if you believe in me, whoever believes in me, uh, out of him will flow rivers of living water, because he who believes in me will receive the Spirit of God, the, the promise, Spirit, the guarantee of our inheritance, will be indwelled by the Spirit, and by virtue of rivers of living water flowing down from heaven, flowing through Calvary, and flowing into God's people by His Spirit, it will, it will flow out of us, out from us. Of course, we know this is speaking here of Pentecost, where the Spirit was formally given. The Spirit came down, and uh, they were speaking in tongues, and they were gathered in Jerusalem, Jews from every nation under heaven. And uh, they all heard the gospel there in their own language. And the unbelievers said, hey, what's going on? They've been drinking some wine. And uh, Peter gets up and says, no way, man. It's uh, just third hour, so no way. Too early in the morning. And he preaches this great message, one of the all-time great messages, preached. And then it says that that day... There were 3,000 souls added to them. And so there we have the giving of the Spirit. And immediately upon the giving of the Spirit, there's a great harvest and great fruitfulness that comes from the flowing waters, the flowing river of living water.
very interesting. Um, what I want to think about, and this is how all this relates to post-millennialism, I think about that theme that whoever believes in Jesus, that person out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. How is that, how is that possible? What is going on there? Out of that person, uh, his heart will flow rivers of living water. Well, in order to really understand this, I want to take a little trek through uh, the whole Bible. Yes, a little trek through the whole Bible. All the way back to the beginning, of course, where we ought to begin and at the beginning with the book of Genesis. And it's interesting, God, of course, creates the world in Genesis chapter 1. And Genesis 2 is kind of a recapitulation of Genesis 1 in certain ways. And uh, it tells us there in Genesis 2 that you know, God, you know, he initially creates the world and... Uh, before there's any plants growing, it's just land and expanse. And uh, God then plants a garden. He plants a garden, yes. And he puts all the trees in the garden. Of course, the tree, the knowledge of good and evil, he puts there in the garden. And then he puts there a river. He puts a river in the garden that flows out from the garden, that waters the trees and the plants that grow, of course, that produced fruit for Adam and Eve to eat, and the river flowed out, and it flows into four different rivers there. And so we begin the biblical story with uh, the rivers there present as a great theme. <coughs> and there in Genesis, they are giving life to the vegetation and the produce. The rivers are giving life to the vegetation and they're flowing out from the garden then of course we jump ahead a little bit now and keep that in your mind there that thought in Genesis and we'll come back to it Isaiah 44 has an interesting prophecy he says, I will pour water on the dry, or excuse me, I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. They shall spring up among the grass like willows by flowing streams. Now this passage here um, I think, begins to help us see the connection to water flowing out of us. You know, those who believe in Him, out of Him will flow rivers of living water. Because here the image is that the Spirit poured out causes them to grow and spring up among the grass like willows by flowing streams. Very similar to Psalm chapter 1, the blessed man is he who is uh, planted like a tree by streams of waters and whose leaves do not wither. 
bears fruit. And uh, we're beginning to see the idea here is that uh, how does the Spirit flow out of us? Well, it flows out of us in fruitfulness, in uh, good works, in being a blessing to the world, and being a productive Christian, in, in bearing the fruit of the Spirit. And that, of course, blesses those around us, our families, our relationships, our churches and communities and the world around us as we grow and bear fruit and are fruitful and productive and offer something to the world. There's another passage that's incredibly significant here. The prophet Ezekiel is given a vision in Ezekiel 47. And in this vision, there is a, a lot of water in this vision. It's a vision of water uh, flowing out of the temple. Okay, he sees the temple, and there's water flowing out of the temple from every side. And it gets deeper and deeper and flows out into the desert, out into the sea. And as he's uh, in this vision, he is standing on the bank of the river, and there are a great many trees lining the bank of the river. There's trees there, and... In this vision, wherever the river winds, wherever it goes, there you will find with it swarms of every living creature and a great many fish, great, all kinds of fish in this river, freshwater river. Of course, the image there is that the water represents life and vitality as it gives off refreshment and produces fruitfulness. Fresh water is a source of life, and there all the animals and life and creatures go, and then, of course, in the vision, there's also fishermen who go and they uh, fish there from the rivers of living water. And the fishermen benefit from the water by catching fish who are benefiting from the water. And then it says, very interestingly, in verse 12 of Ezekiel 47, it says, on, on the banks on both sides of the river, there will grow all kinds of trees for food. The leaves will not wither, nor their fruit fail, but they will bear fresh fruit every month, because the water for them flows from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be for, for food, and their leaves for healing. And so, here we see, the again, this idea of water flowing out of the temple and being a blessing to the world. It's bearing fruit. For food. It's producing leaves for healing. Keep those images in your mind here as we go through this. So we go from the garden with the river. Then, of course, we know what happened there. I didn't mention a moment ago, but of course, it doesn't take long. You get to Genesis chapter 3 and Sin enters the world, and Adam and Eve are kicked out of the garden, and they go from being garden keepers to uh, being in uh, the wilderness, essentially. There's the curse on the ground, which part of the curse was that the ground would be difficult to bring forth food from. It would require hard work. There would be thorns and thistles that grew, we know much of Israel's history as a nation was wandering in the wilderness, in and out of, in and out of exile and captivity, in and out of judgment, 
wandering the wilderness. And in the midst of that, there are these prophets prophesying times of living waters. Isaiah has a lot of uh, water imagery throughout his prophecies. Of course, we mentioned Ezekiel and uh, many other prophets as well. And then Jesus comes along, and we've, of course, seen John 4. He brings up this theme of living water here in John 7 at the Feast of Booths. He talks about the river of living water. Of course, the Spirit comes at Pentecost, and we see a great harvest, a great fruitfulness brought in by the 3,000 souls added on the first day, and many more throughout the book of Acts, indeed throughout history even up to this day. and Then we see this theme literally running all throughout Scripture from Genesis all the way to Revelation, from the beginning to the end. Genesis 22, excuse me, Revelation 22. Allow me to turn there for a moment. In Revelation 22, it says, The angel showed me the river of the water of life. See, there we have a river. I saw a river in Genesis 2. We see a river in Revelation 22. The river of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life. Oh, and there's a tree there tree of life, river flowing by the tree of life, with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding fruit, its fruit each month. Now that sounds very interesting. That's exactly what Ezekiel saw in Ezekiel 47. It's trees that bore fruit each month. Fruitfulness. Revelation 22 continues, the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. So this goes out, a f- river flowing out from the throne of God and the Lamb, bringing, bringing growth and fruitfulness to the trees, such that their leaves were a blessing to the world. They were a healing to the nations. And it says, no longer will there be anything accursed. So there we have the reversal of Genesis 3 cursing no longer will there be anything cursed but the throne of God and the lamb will be in it and his servants will worship him so you see the idea here this post-millennial idea is that these new covenant promises of rivers of living water flowing out from the spirit of God flowing out of those who believe in him by the Spirit of God is the church of Jesus Christ being a blessing to the world and being a, a source of good in the world, a source of healing for the nations, a source of fruitfulness that is a benefit to all those around them. And the more and more the church of Jesus Christ grows and increases and advances and progresses and expands, the more and more blessing they give off to the world, the more and more people walking in the good works prepared beforehand for them to do. 
and more and more the world cannot but help but be benefited by the church of Jesus Christ. Now one thing that is quite interesting is in Ezekiel 47 the water is flowing from the temple, out of the temple into the world. And what was the temple what was the significance of the temple in the Old Covenant? Well, it was number one where God dwelt with his people in the Holy of Holies. And it was the center of worship. It was the center of worship. And so the river is flowing out from the temple, flowing out from the, te- the center of worship, where the dwelling place of God is with man, out into the world to be a benefit and a blessing. You see, there's an interesting connection here between the church's worship and its effectiveness in the world. That's kind of what we see there in Genesis 20, or Revelation 22 as well. The rivers flowing out from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Okay, so there's the presence of God. And then it says uh, in verse 3 of Revelation 22, No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it, and His servants will worship Him. And so it begins there. It begins with the worship of God. Is our worship true and pure and right? In in John 4, Jesus says that God is looking for those to worship him in spirit and truth. Of course, the discussion there in John 4 led to the discussion of the temple and the mountain where to worship, which mountain, this one or that one. And Jesus is saying, look, it's no longer tied to a mountain or a temple or a city, but it is uh, in Jesus Christ, in spirit and in truth. And wherever you are, Jesus Christ can be worshipped truthfully, in spirit and in truth. Wherever you are, you can gather and worship. You don't have to make a track to a temple or a city or a mountain. But God now dwells with man uh, by the Spirit's indwelling of each believer. That's the great uh, significance, expansion, the way the uh, dominion goes across the world is that there's not one place you have to go, but now the Spirit comes with the face of the earth and the knowledge of glory of the Lord will cover the earth as waters cover the sea. As His people go out to cover the world, the Spirit goes out into His people and the knowledge of the glory of the Lord thus covers the water, covers the earth as the waters cover the sea. It's interesting, even there in Genesis, where we noted the first mention there of rivers, trees flowing out of the garden, that garden was the dwelling place of God with man before sin. When Adam walked with God, there was it was the dwelling place of God. It was, uh, a lot of biblical theologians bring this theme out, the garden was the first temple, so to speak. And Adam was a 
uh, a priest. He was a, a priest king given the uh, responsibility here of beautifying the temple, the garden, and uh, given the responsibility of kingliness and in his command to take dominion over the world. He was a priest king. Of course, we know he sinned and failed in that responsibility, and the last Adam comes and succeeds where he fails. But you see, there's this great connection between the worship of the church and its effectiveness in the world. And that's where it begins. As much as I am with those who want to win the culture wars and fight the battles out in the world, that's necessary, I'm all for that, but it must begin with our worship. It must be true and pure and right. And indeed, that is how we win the culture war, so to speak. That is how we win the battle out there. By worship. In spirit and truth. For those who believe in Jesus, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And those rivers will be of life to the world, healing to the nations, a blessing to our neighbors, a benefit to those around us, so that the kingdom of God continues to advance, continues to increase and grow in time and history, and that the world is restored and made back into a glorified, or maybe not glorified, made back into a great paradise garden, so to speak, where all the nations flow up to the mountain of God. And we have completed the great commission of going into all the world, making disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that Jesus has commanded us. And so, as Jesus says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Thanks for listening. I'll catch you guys sometime in the future. Mm-hmm.